Welcome to the Self Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is the podcast people tune into for in-depth discussions on the latest research from our foremost leaders in self-improvement, so you can be growing and more equipped to live at your fullest capacity in body, mind, and soul. In this episode, I'm back with Richie Norton, author of Anti-Time Management, and we're walking through his personal values, motives, and habits in the key areas of life fulfillment, so we can hear what has driven and does drive him to help us get the most out of our time, and what he does to design a life that fulfills him and his adventure-seeking family. Here's some highlights in walking through Richie's values, motives, and habits. Spiritually, he's constantly seeking after knowledge and has expanded his scope of resources in recent years. He feels the most valuable concept of the future will be discernment. Relationally, his filter for uh, relationships is between transactional and transformational. And he wants to create experiences, smile and laugh a lot and hug hard. And if you know Richie, that's what he does. In health and wellness, he has to guard against his propensity to eat his emotions. I think a lot of us relate to that. He walks a lot, does a lot of push-ups, and as a true Hawaii resident, he surfs a lot. And regarding mental health, he got into talking about burnout, not being from working too much, but working at what doesn't inspire and interest you. And that stood out as really great insight to me. While money is not his primary motive for his work, Richie cites that the lack of it shouldn't keep you from the experiences you desire. And I really like that way of thinking about it. Again, you can find Richie's book, Anti-Time Management, Reclaim Your Time and Revolutionize Your Results with the Power of Time Tipping anywhere. You can find his podcast at The Richie Norton Show. And his website is richienorton.com. Hey, if you find value from this podcast, this episode, it'd be great if you would leave a review about it. Best thing you can do, talk to somebody about what you heard on the show today. You can always connect with me. Find me at my website or social media at kevinmiller.co. Next up, Richie Norton's Values, Motives, and Habits. I got to admit, after our talk on your book, Anti-Time Management, looking at values, talking about priorities, regrets. I mean, we, we, we hit some deep water there. Um, I'm eager to hit these key areas and, and hear where you are and hear where it's evolved. I mean, you talked at the beginning of the last show about how things have changed quite a bit. I mean, we're, we're in uh, as this recording, October 2022, in the past two years, two, three years, we've seen a lot of changes and it's been interesting doing this segment of the show with people to hear a lot of people, things, things shifted and changed and it was uh, caused them to look at things a little differently. So if there's, so as I ask you your values and habits, you know, if there's some things that have changed as of that, uh, as of those times, um, I, I love to hear what those evolutions were and why. So the first one is spiritual. Um, so start off there of, the values that you have spiritually and how you walk those out. Yeah. I, I believe in God, you know, I, I believe in, in Christ. I, I believe that there are many people that walk and have walked this earth that have been enlightened. And, uh, I, 
I seek after that knowledge, you know, wherever, wherever it may be. Um, because I think that a lot of the things that we, we believe, whether, whether we feel like it's enough or not, it's, it's never enough. <laughs> I'm always hungry. You know what I mean? Yeah. To, to learn more, to be better, to serve others and, uh, and to do that. I, I'm, I'm LDS. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I lived in, in Brazil, uh, serving a mission there and I've, I've been all over the world with, with my work and I have just appreciated and seen like the light in people's eyes, you know, regardless of what religion they are, just them, them, them living their, their best. You can really see that, uh, there's a bigger picture. Well, <laughs> yeah, and, you, uh, well and I, I, Tune in to you saying, seeking after that knowledge, wherever it may be. And, and then to also use the word religious, um, that often we, we relate a, a confines to that knowledge a lot of times in there. And it's been interesting, my own journey, which is from the Bible belt of, of Christianity in the South and, and now finding myself that there are some tenets of faith and belief that I, I hold strong and dearly. And yet the influences have greatly increased that I allow in. Is that what you're talking to? hundred percent. There, there is light and goodness in every corner of the earth, you know, and, and the more we can discover, the more we can bring in, you know, good is good good is good (laughs) and you can find it anywhere. (laughs) How does it look like? Are there some tangible aspects of that as you walk it out in your daily life with your family? How's it, what's that look like? Well, uh, definitely. I think I, I approach life from a value centered time centered, you know, approach. Um, meaning, I, I'm not working for, for work's sake. I'm not necessarily working for money. I know that money and meaning, you know, go together. But, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll wake up in the morning. I'll spend time, you know, with my family. I walk, I walk my dog on, on the beach. Um, we spend, we spend a lot of time together. We discuss, uh, concepts, scriptures, including, um, thoughts and philosophies, like I mentioned, from all over the world, uh, where we travel the world. And, and a lot of these places, we go to all these different um, buildings, places that are spiritual, uh, to kind of learn and absorb and to feel uh, that energy. It's, it's, a, it's a real thing in, in our everyday lives. Yeah. Uh, I, I got to tell you, I'm reading a book right now, Believing is Seen by mm. the, uh, I mean, he's a well-known guy. I don't know how you pronounce his last name. Michael, is it Gullion? Uh, he's, he's a, like an ABC CBS guy who was, uh, he's a scientist and atheist and how he got into this and then came to faith. And it's not the first book on that I've read, but I'm reading it right now. It's a new one. And it's so interesting to, to see, especially from that standpoint, somebody who says, no, I do not believe in a God. And now after my scientific approach that I do, and it's, it's, uh, expanding, I think. I, I think one of the most most faith promoting, regardless of anyone's faith, e- even if it's not a religious faith, even if it's a scientific faith, I think one of the most like hu- human spiritual experiences you can have is when you meet with someone or you learn from someone 
who is possibly the opposite of you, mm-hmm. or they they think, or they've come from a very different place. And when you when you spend the time to like learn more or to come to some sort of commonality, not just agree to disagree, but you're like, oh my gosh, like the stuff you're talking about is actually what I'm talking about too. We're just talking about it. that is, it just feels so good. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I wish we would do more of that kind of stuff. I think it would bring more peace in the world if we if we had the opportunity to try that a little a little more. You know? Okay. Well, what I love about you you saying it because it's come up in recent shows because we've talked about this. I had, um, I had on uh, uh gosh, uh, Norman. And I think what was his first name? Norman. He wrote Mental Immunity. And it was talking about that, the value of looking at both sides. And I'm thinking about you now and what we talked about out of your book in part one of the final result. When I find people on supposedly two opposing sides who, but you know, who have a, who really are, they have a faith. Like you said, it could be a religious faith. It could be a scientific faith. Either way, it's a faith. And if they understand it as that, and we look at that, even even though they may seem like opposing sides, if we really get down to it, I find they often have the same value. Yes. That final, back to you with final result. They want the same final result. They want meaning and matter and values and, and, and they're not that far apart. They're just coming at it from different angles. Yeah. Uh, That's what I know. um, I might be getting off topic here a little bit, but like, I really believe like, the the number one leadership competency of the future is going to be discernment because we have data and even if it's correct and a lot of times it's not but even if it's correct people see it from several different angles and they manipulate it and then you you know you see it on the news like just 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 in one night the same story is told 20 different ways based on some some agenda yeah. an agenda okay. and then and you know and then you go like well what about by like, creativity you go, well people can be creative in an in a gnarly bad way like there's a lot of ways to be creative and you can be creative good but discernment brings the qualitative and the quantitative together because then you can go we don't know what the future is going to look like but this looks like this is based on 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 truth and values and where we want to go let's do this decision those are the people and not just leaders i mean like world leaders even though that's important but they have a lot of baggage there's a lot of things going on there's a lot of people that need them you know it's, it starts in the home, man, you know, and, and making those decisions can, we'll just, it, it takes, you have to be thoughtful. You have to be thoughtful, you know, and it's, it, it takes a little bit of time, but I think it's essential. Well, and, and as I'm thinking about this, when this publishes uh, our talk here, it'll have been about two guests prior that we had on Wendy Smith and she and Marianne Lewis wrote the book, Both and Thinking. And that was the mm-hmm. point. It's not either or. And how few of the things that we look at today, even though the media, as you talked about, is, you know, we got paid fighters, uh, basically. <laughs> That's what we're hearing from. It's a boxing match. It is. Right. It is. You can go on CNN or Fox <laughs> News today and you can see the latest boxing match from paid uh, hired guns uh, who are yeah. doing everything as an either or, black, white, right, wrong, not a both and. Um, wow. So wow. Yeah, I appreciate your perspective there. All right. Next one's relationships, man. And I know you as a, if I was the, somebody's asked me about Richie Norton, I would say, dude, that is a relational, relationally <laughs> driven guy. And, and I am. And not that, I mean, I think we all are at the core. Talk about final results and core, but I think we, we all are, comes out at different ways, but you, you, uh, you emanate. Uh, that and and I see the wealth of your 
life. I mean, gosh, and you have, again, that's part of your story, which we didn't, we haven't gotten into. Well, you did, you, you mentioned a little bit, you've lost a son, you, you know, your wife lost her, her memory, you lost a brother-in-law. You've had some significant things that have happened in your life to really bring the relational values to an acute place in your life and are much the reason that you're sitting here today. And so relationships, talk about that, uh, the values and if they have, if there's been any evolution as of late, even. Well, I was, when you were, when you're mentioning all this, I was trying to think like, uh, first of all, I appreciate that. It's very nice of you. And, and yes, I, I, I try and I hope, I hope all that's uh, true. I, I, it means a lot to me, but I was just thinking, I never mentioned this before uh, on a podcast or anything, but I remember my mom when I was a kid saying, Hey, there's this kid down the street, you know, he's new here. He doesn't have any friends. So you should go make friends with him, you know? So, so maybe it's, it's, you know, it's part of my, my upbringing here. I got a good mom, <laughs> but you know, I was, um, you know, there's an idea of transactional versus transformational, you know, relationships and I, I do, I always try to put value first and, and to help others. But what I've learned is like at the end of the day, I mean, I'm not in business to make money. I'm in business to like lead a happy life and to have more friends, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a positive way. And I know there's people that are the opposite and, and you know what, that's their value. You know, they're not in it for, for friends or in it to make money. The thing is, um, in, in my research and in my own experience, there, you don't have anything left at, at at the end of your life than your relationships. That's what it is. <laughs> I remember uh, my grandma recently passed away, and I was in like this 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 home where she was. You know, it was, it was the end, and I was the only one in there <clears throat> at this time. And we're all you know taking turns and spending time and she had this picture of her when she was like young and like, and also like really young with her family. And then like with her, uh, you know, with my grandpa, you know, getting married and then I'm looking at her, her, you know, like just, she's, she's dying. And I just had this thought like, wow, that's the same person, Hmm. you know? And, you know, she came from, wherever she was, you know, as a spirit before she was born, you know, and here she is in this, in, in this little, little body growing up to this old lady. And I'm like, but that's also not her. Hmm. And, and I just think like, when you think about thing at a, things at a larger scale, you realize like all this stuff, you can assign meaning to it, <clears throat> but it's also meaningless. But these relationships, which are hard, they're the hardest thing. You know what I mean? They're important during, during the, um, the pandemic i got I, I do a lot of work in china you know i have a company where we make products all over the world and i saw what was happening before america started talking about it and so i was like trying to figure out we were actually working on trying to help china uh with with stuff that was happening over there with medical things and whatever else and um, i started to get so busy like 24 7 I, I felt like i was going crazy but at some point, I said, you know what? I think I can still figure out. I can still do my best. All these things have. I'm going to put my cell phone down. And I'm going I'm to plug it in, like, in my room or somewhere where I'm not going to be having it on my person. And what was amazing is I, I, I've kept that practice now, you know, a couple of years later. The, you know, the best I can. I'm not perfect at it. When I didn't have it on me, it was one little thing. My relationships got better. Because whenever I got bored, I wasn't scrolling. I was I was listening I was listening to my kids. I was listening to my wife better. I was paying attention better. 
And uh, I realized that, you know, quantity of time is quality time. But sometimes five minutes on the trampoline with your kids without a cell phone is more important than an hour at the park while you're walking around in circles on your cell phone. (laughs) (laughs) To them. To them. Um, So, yes. Relationships to me are everything. So how I was going to ask for some specifics. So there's one of putting your cell phone away. But as you are, I mean, today is a day you're, you're in Hawaii, you're with uh, around your family, you've got kids at home. What are some specific practices? Last night, some people were visiting um, from the mainland and they came over and they brought some friends that we didn't know. And so we had a little, uh, barbecue and roasted marshmallows you know we hung out on the beach we did that in our front yard we did these things um i look for ways to try to create experiences with people um when i see people these things aren't conscious i just do them so i'm when i say it i'm not i'm not doing it for reciprocity i'm not doing it with an expectation it's just who i am but you're, you're pulling it out of me but like I smile a lot. I laugh a lot. I, I, I hug hard. You know what I mean? I'm very excited to see people and to meet people. And one of the things I do most um, is I tell people I love them all the time. And some people might freak them out. I don't know. Maybe they're used to it. But I really do. And I really think that you know it needs to be said. And I, I, I don't want to uh, move on having someone feel like I didn't love them or I didn't say it. You know, So it's, it's just part of me. Um, to try and express love and, and, and show love in, in little ways, sending a text, you know what I mean? Reaching out to people I haven't talked to in a while. And again, not for I scratch your back, you scratch mine, just for actual like, I, I see you, you're awesome. That right there, man, I see you. That's a <laughs> That's a movement that needs to happen. Health and wellness. Tell me mm. about the health and wellness values. My, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I kind of eat my emotions, so I've gone up and down healthy, healthy wise. Uh, right now, I'm in a, I'm, I'm in a good spot, and I'm going to stay that way. Uh, but um, yeah, eat clean, walk a lot, uh, and lots of push-ups. I, I've tried to do things that. I know you can go to the gym and you can do these things and all that. All that's fine. People can do whatever they want. But I try to do things that I can do even if I didn't have all the equipment around. Uh, because then I can do it anywhere, especially when I'm traveling. You know. So, yeah, I'll try and do 100 or more push-up, push-ups a day. Uh, sometimes in one shot. Sometimes, you know, 50 here, 50 there. Uh, I'm doing keto mostly, you know. And um, I literally, if I even like at the airport, Instead of taking the escalator or the elevator, I'll take the stairs, you know, and I, I just, just little things to keep my body moving. Like I'll stretch, you know, I, I just, I try to think how long can I keep this body able, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, aside from some sort of uh, accident, um, because I don't, if possible, I don't want to be elderly and not able. And so I'm, I'm try and do whatever I can now to uh, keep myself healthy that way. What you're in your hitting on, we talk about it so often, the, what we see in the headlines or in the news or the populace is lifespan. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm, I mean, I'm cool with that. I, I do want to, I'm happy to live as long as I can, honestly, as long as to what you said, my health span is equal there. I don't want the health mm. span to end. And then as my buddy Randy talks about, then linger for the rest of the time I would like to be able, man, that is my, that is literally my primary driver. Um, I do appreciate you talking about pushups because man, I have a full gym at my house. Um, I, and I love to run and ride. Those are my gigs. It's cardio stuff, but the, you know, the, the muscles, I mean, we need, we need to be, you know, muscle resistance. We need to be doing that kind of stuff. And I've gotten to where now the thing I do the most is pushups. It's yeah. it, just like you said, man, you can do them anywhere. You can do them all the time. You can drop down and do 10 or you can do a hundred, you know, whatever. And I am I'm, honestly, Richie, I'm amazed at how much muscle tone you can have just by pretty much every day. I, and I don't do them every day. I probably do five days a week and a yeah. handful of sets. It may be one set. It may be five sets, whatever. It's amazing it how really much is. those daily deposits, because a push-up, you got to get down, you got to get back up, you got to push. And do you have any certain type you do, or is it just kind of your basic push-up? <laughs> it's a basic push-up, but I'll start. Uh, I'm kind of random. But I'll, I'll start on the outside and move my way in you yeah. know, to the di- diamond kind of thing or or the other way. Sometimes I'll just do it. Sometimes I'll, I'll do a long plank, you know, like what, whatever. My uh, my brother is a, a lawyer in the Navy, and I said, what do they do to, like, make sure you're still healthy? And he, he said a number of things. And, that, and he says it changes over time. But one of the things he said was was they ask or they, they check if they can do a two-minute plank. And I was like, oh, I guess I should be doing two-minute planks, you know. <laughs> I hate I hate planks, but I, uh, I no, got they're, yeah. they're the worst. They're the worst. They are the I, worst. I, I, you know, but the, the fun stuff, like you do bike biking stuff, you know, I'll go for a hike, but I, I go surfing. I go surfing a oh, ton. You know what I mean? It. So, I mean, I'm out at the beach, so. <laughs> I mean, I have not done that. I will tell you on the, on the push-ups, I don't know what got me into them, but I started doing them on my, uh, on my knuckles because you yep. get like another, I don't know, what is that? You know, two or three yep. inches of a dip. Yep. Um, and it's made these gnarly calluses on my knuckles. And oh. I had a friend say, dude, you look like a pugilist. Like you've been out there just <laughs> boxing away, but it makes me feel kind of, I don't know. It makes me feel kind of Rambo, I guess. How's that? That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I, I do those. I haven't done them enough to get calluses. Now yeah, I got to I got to change it up. It makes know? some, ug- <laughs> it makes some ugly calluses. I think they look kind of intimidating. I'm kind of feeling That's good. About awesome. It. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Mind, uh, mental, man, just your, I mean, you know, there's never been a time we've talked about mental health more. And I feel like, I mean, we're all, we're all in the same culture. We're all in this busyness. And like you talked about, you know, even with you with work happening during the pandemic and the phones going constantly, you got to put it away. And so what are some of the things that you, when you look at that, even like mental state, what would you say is, man, this is the a primary value. There's a battle between, um, pessimists and optimists there okay. just is but even in our own brain there's the battle you know what i mean between uh optimism and pessimism and there's and there's ups and downs and i think it's really important i found you know vitamin d3 you know getting some healthy fats in my head you know mct oil that kind of stuff i'm just talking literal things some someone can do getting enough sleep whatever that might look for you like all these things help but as far as like mindset and thinking you know what i'll spiral like things will happen i've gone through grief you know i'll I'll get fixated on a terrible thing you know these things happen i've allowed myself this is going to sound weird sometimes i allow myself to feel bad meaning instead of punishing myself for feeling bad. Because you know when you're down, then you punish yourself for feeling down. <laughs> it, it only goes further down. 
so I'm okay laying in bed or hanging out or binging Netflix for a while, you know, whatever it takes. Because I've also found like through, through grief, I found that when you feel good, you can also punish yourself for feeling good because you go, how can I feel okay right now when all these terrible things have happened? Hmm. Right. So it's a whole thing. But as far as, as far as mindset goes and, and staying in a, in a, in a positive state as they, as they might say, yeah, I do, I do a couple things. One, you have to have something to look forward to. Something to look forward to is very healthy. It gives you confidence. It gives you hope, not a false hope. And it allows you to work towards something. And, and in my words, also work from something, right? So you can go on. I'm, I'm working from this space to create more of this space. And then the second thing um, is, is assigning positive meaning to even the tragedies that happen. Because there's just too much that you can't control. And if you're going to be assigning meaning to it anyways, you might as well assign something positive to it. And, and those two things have helped me a lot to be able to stay optimistic, um, stay hungry, healthy, happy on, on positivity. On the having something to look forward to, what does that look like for you? And I'm going to hold the realities of both the short term and the long term. I mean, like today, there's never a day when I'm not looking forward to dinner tonight. I just love dinner. Dinner's just <laughs> the best. I love making it. I love eating it. I love a glass of wine with it. And yet I know a lot of people are kind of consumed with just looking forward to the next little thing in the day like that. And they don't have the big thing out there, which you talked about, you know, having uh, yeah, having hope ultimately. And, and that's something to look forward to in a bigger scenario too. that thing in a week, a month, a year, whatever it may be. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is like that vacation, you know, and, and people, people can relate to that because they work somewhere where, you know, they might only have two weeks to go on this vacation and it keeps them going or they don't take it at all for some wild reason. Right. But I, I got to tell you this, when I did this book tour for anti-time management, I was on the radio, like all over the nation, TV, and the, the, the one topic they always wanted me to talk about was <laughs> burnout every time. They all wanted me to talk about burnout. And I, I totally missed that one. I guess uh, it, I don't talk about it uh, in the book. Uh, like, I, like, I, like I barely mention it. But the idea, but the idea of burnout around anti-time management is like ever present hmm. because people who are who are whose time is managed are burnt out constantly. Hmm. It never ends. And I learned um, that burnout is not about how hard you work or how long you work. It's about feeling like what you're doing isn't making a difference. It comes from an organization or a place where it feels like people don't support you or love you or it's toxic in some way. Hmm. This is where burnout comes from. And you, you know, how does that make sense? You go, look at Rocky, from the Rocky movies. The guy starts out totally burnt out and depressed. And in the end of the movie, he's like pumped, but he's never worked harder. Yeah. It's not about how hard or long you work burnout. Mm. So, so like when, when you, when you, when you're asking this question and I'm talking about, you know, what does it look like to have something to look forward to? Yeah. You look forward to overcoming that battle. You look forward to making this thing come to pass, whatever that might be. You look forward to that dinner tonight. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you're not a morning person and you're grumpy. You look forward to that moment at noon when you're finally, or 11, you know, whatever it is, when you finally, you hit that spot. But, 
but the opposite, the best way to answer it is think of someone who has nothing to look forward to. Yeah. And I'll show you a person that's having a very bad day. Yeah. And I think that's where I attribute that right there a lot, not completely, but a lot to our current stats on depression. Mm. Not much to look forward mm. to other than the, the, the quick immediacy and a little dopamine hit of the phone. And when yes. there's not something bigger and longer, yes, we're in trouble. It, uh, confidence. Um, I think Jack Canfield talks about this somewhere way back, way back in the day, maximum confidence, um, how, how kids, they get confident because they have something to look forward to. This, it, it's, it's an important thing. Yeah. Huh. huh. Work, career, uh, business. You have a, an abundant, uh, career. You're involved with so many people with career and business, so many opportunities out there. So when you look at just your own, oh, now you talked a, a minute ago about your mm. work is not, and if you want to even combine this with money, that's the next one. We work is next and then money. And you said, you know, you, you don't work, uh, for money. That's not the primary motivator. Now, obviously I'm sure you appreciate money. Um, have a few things to do with it, but hold yes. those. Well, let's start with work. So, so the yes. value that you are looking for in your work, of primarily. course, of course, and on money, the more the merrier. Okay. The more the merrier. <laughs> well, and I know that, and <laughs> I, I know that of you, I know that. Sure. Sure. And you help a lot of, I mean, it got such one of the primary ways that I understand that you make money is helping other people make money um, this is along true. with their value. Yes, yeah. this is true. All this is true. So what I do for work specifically is, um, yes, I'm an author, but I'm an author because I'm an entrepreneur. And my first business was a cashmere company in Mongolia. And I know, I know. Which like, that's wild. just weird. I mean, it's kind of uh, cool and it's weird. <laughs> and it was, it was a social venture to help people create jobs and work their way out of poverty. And that got me doing stuff all over the Asia Pacific Rim, Papua New Guinea, Western Samoa, uh, the Philippines, Cambodia, Fiji, Japan, all over and it was all these social, how do I help people work through it? Because I lived in Brazil and I saw a lot of poverty in the area I was in. I was in these favelas and I thought, how can these people uh, overcome poverty? They're so talented. They're so wonderful, but they don't have maybe the money or the network. And so my mindset was always, how can I do this thing when I'm 65? Hmm. Because that's when I'm going to retire and be able to help. And then I thought, don't be a fool, Richie, because that's like <laughs> that's like th three generations of generation now, like in my 20s, generation now generation 20 years later when i'm 40 something and generation when i'm you know six that's 65 that's three generations of people you can't help but you have to wait yeah. so that was my mentality so anyways so then that got me into people asking questions how do you help people how do you do these things why are you an entrepreneur how did you get a job so i wrote a book about it i actually wrote one called resumes are dead and what to do about it then the power of starting something stupid now anti-time management and in between each of these i've started businesses around the questions people ask me because if it's something i i like to do and i can help I'll do it. So that turned into product, products you're proud of. So we make over 100 different products at any given time. It changes all the time uh, overseas. And we'll make it, package it, ship it, warehouse it, fulfill it. So we make John Lee Dumas's journals. We make uh, Pat Flynn's um, switch pod. We invented that with him. We, we, we make stuff for Russell Brunson. We make stuff for uh, – I could go on and on and on and on. There's so many different people and influencers. And then – a lot of my clients are creators on YouTube, so I started 
a business where we we edit their videos. I don't know how to edit videos. I started a business to help edit their videos. I edit over a hundred different videos a month, hundreds of videos a month. My company does uh, for people that have a million subs or more, blah, 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 blah. I do other things. But to me, someone goes, what are you doing? You're doing so many things. Because now I'm I'm this thought leader person. I'm a, I'm a podcast person. I'm a writer. I'm, I'm a speaker. I'm a course creator. I can never end. And they go, how do you do all these things? I go, I don't think of it that way. I think of myself as like a store. And in the store, there's a bunch of different products. You're going to come in and get what you need and what you want. And by the way, I'm selling time. I'm selling people an ability to get their life back no matter where they are, what stage of life. I'm not selling to a demographic. I'm selling to a psychographic people who think this way, people who want these things, no matter what age or where they come from uh, or where they are in life, this is a way to help them. So I do a lot of these different things. 99% of my stuff is free. And the 1% that I charge, I charge a lot for. And it's working. It's working. And uh, in fact, um, Product is an Inc. 5000 company. And we're making tiny houses now. Like we're doing whatever we can do to try and help help people live their dream and get their time back as as uh, as they would. And I was just going to ask, with all the things that you're involved in, what is the core overlap? If we're doing a Venn diagram, what is it? Did you just state it right there at the end? I would say it's funny. I, I was at a conference; they had me draw my like where my income comes yeah. from. There is an overlap between uh, consulting and physical products because they go at least from my perspective they should go hand in hand someone who is doing stuff online should have physical products someone who has physical products should have something online and they need a strategy to be able to put these things together so that comes together but it literally all comes together from the books i write because someone will read it they'll find out about my work but they what they really find out about is themselves and what they want so they reach out and then I'm not selling anything at specific. Everything I do currently is hyper personalized, customized, specific, one to one, not not just one to many year group coaching or or just cons- you know courses where they just watch it and never know you. All that stuff exists. I get it, but I'm trying to do it in a way that's deep and meaningful. Well, let's talk about money then. Let's talk about money. Not the primary <laughs> motivator, but you're happy to have as much as possible. Um, yeah. But talk about the values that you have developed as you've gone through this career with money. Well, let me say it this way because people, people might get confused. In my opinion, aside from abject poverty, of course, and there's different degrees of where you are in life, money shouldn't prevent you from designing the lifestyle or at least having the time you want uh, with the people you love. And I say that from a place of experience. Like there was a time where my wife and I were digging through trash cans to get uh, aluminum cans (laughs) to recycle them so we would have enough money to get gas to fill up our car to be able to go to a grocery store. You know what I mean? And you go, well, well, at least you had a car and at least there is this and that and go, yes, all those things are true. So what what I'm trying to say is we would, uh, we would go without couches in our rented house because we couldn't bear the thought of buying a couch when we could be buying a plane ticket 
<laughs> to travel the world, yeah. you know? So like, I'm not saying you have to sacrifice things. I'm just saying like, what are your priorities? You might have to act a little differently. You know what I mean? To make them happen. And people would say, You're, I see you traveling all over the world. Like, so we've gone from, we've driven from New York to San Diego for six months at a time into Mexico and to Canada. We've driven for two months all around um, Europe. I've traveled all over Asia, you know, we'll go, we'll go all over the place. And, um, you know, how do you do that? And I learned I could make money on the road just as easily as I could from home or in an office from my cell phone. So I've just, I've designed ways to make money from wherever I am so that I can live this lifestyle and yeah. doesn't have to be necessarily wealth, but in, in so, which might actually be wealth, you know what I mean? Having, having the time to, Spend the time with your family or friends or whatever you love doing right now, regardless of income. Yeah. That's that's a thought people don't think about because we've been taught make money, then live. And I'm saying, no, you can live and make money. This is important. Okay. So so that said, um, yes, I charge a lot for speaking or I'll do it for free. It's one or the other. <laughs> I'll charge a lot for coaching or consulting or it's free. You know, it's, it's one or the other. And the reason I say that is because when it gets somewhere in the middle, it gets weird. <laughs> it just starts to get weird, you know? And then of course with my, um, you know, my video editing business, it's just, it's every month they're paying a certain amount for a certain number of videos. And then also with uh, my product business, I mean, we could be doing any, people are, are ordering thousands of units at a time. So some deals could be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Some could be worth just a few. But honestly, it started with like a couple hundred dollar order for some bamboo creasers for an elderly woman that wanted to make, um, she wasn't elderly. She she worked for or owned a company that did like weaving stuff. I don't know, man. <laughs> but that's where it started. And now it's grown into like, I don't know, making all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> I don't think I answered your question, but there you go. No, it's it's intri <laughs> It's just so intriguing, so intriguing. Tell me then about uh, achievements, and this this last one. It used to be more, and just tell me what you know. Yeah, actually, actually, I'll I'll end with. I'm going to cut this into two parts: achievements, but then also just some of the things that you do just for just for you. I want to know both, but. On achievements, when you look at the things that you want to have done, we talked about in part one about regrets, and I am so more aware as of late of how much achievements mean to people, the things that they have achieved, the things that they, we talked about hope that they want to achieve. And when we look at regrets, it's usually things that they haven't achieved. So when you look at the value, you know, things that you want to do, we talked about goals in the first one. And it's always interesting to me to see the goals that we continue to lay out for ourselves, but then some of those fall off and we realize that's not really important to me. That's not an achievement. It's one I think I should do, but I don't really. So again, when you're looking at it, how have those evolved for you as you value your, the achievements you've you've made you, you have and the ones you want to achieve i'll start high level and then kind of get like specific but like like character is important to me and you know just just staying like uh true to my values and 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 you know just that, that's really important to me not not breaching integrities and things like that 
and it, and it does, it hurts me when others do. And I, I can forgive and I get that. But when it's done on purpose, I'm just like, Ugh, how would you do that? You know, to me or to somebody else, you know, that, that, that hurts me. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that said, I'd rather be, I always lead with trust. So I'd rather be burned nine times out of 10 and get one, you know what I mean? One working than to not have tried at all. So that said, like, I try to live a life without regrets, meaning I try to do my best, give myself some grace where I mess up, but also do my best. So like my family would be obviously most important. That said, I know like in any family, you can't control anyone. You're going to, you're going to do whatever you can do. They're going to do whatever they're going to do. It's their own life, but at least I can know I did my best. Right. So I think that's, um, important to, to try for and to also give yourself some grace on. Um, but I know I try to be financially self-sufficient. Uh, I try to make sure the people in my, my family are happy. I try to make, when I write books, I try to write the best book in the world for the time. And I try to write them in a way that's timeless so they can be good for a hundred years or more. And I try to write them in a way that, that uh, the reader can find them useful and helpful and they can change their own life in their own way. And I'm also, um, one of the reasons I do coaching, which is different than consulting. I think consulting is more for organizations, coaching is more personal, but coaching's I've learned this, um, time and time again, but it's the most selfless thing you can do because people don't know as in professionally, the people you help, no one knows you helped them. It's, you're not even in the picture unless they share it. You know what I mean? That's cool. But you're not doing it for that reason. You're doing it because you love them and you, and you, and you want to help them. So some of my greatest quote unquote achievements are not my own, but the ones I feel best about are seeing someone live a life they never imagined they could because they had a conversation with me. Hmm. How about just interest then that you have, what makes Richie tick? I love uh, travel. I love, I love, I love surfing. I love eating, um, uh, a well buttered steak, especially um, a hamatok, a tomahawk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh man, um, I love being by the water. I love, I love just you know putting putting my feet in the sand. Uh, I'm I'm pretty low key, but I can be super super hyper, and I I really love like fun, obviously loud music. I, I just, I just like to feel good and be around people that are, that are, that are energized. And when people aren't, I also love having an opportunity to try it and help if I can, but, but, um, uh, just, just, just being aware and, and feeling grateful that I'm alive yeah. feels like, and I don't mean just like physically alive. I mean, like alive feels like an achievement in and of itself. That is an attribute, an aspect of you that I think of that you, Richie Norton, are a guy who cares about the soul being alive, your own and, mm. and those around you. So, uh, man, thank you. Thank you for giving mm. me your time and uh, the inspiration that you've given me and given everybody else. I hope they all connect with you and continue walking with you as you uh, continue to come alive and help others be alive. Thank you, brother. Dude, I love you, man. Thanks so much. That was so thank fun. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right, friends, as I said in the intro, Richie's comment on burnout just stuck with me, that it doesn't come from, again, working too much. Uh, the most inspired people that he knows, he says, work more than most, and I experienced that as well. Instead, it comes from working at what doesn't inspire us. It's got me thinking of all areas of life. 
I mean, are there areas of burnout, whether work or in your fitness regime or relationally, even as a parent? And maybe we can look at how we're viewing it and our attitude. It might need a change of circumstances or attitude, likely both. Again, you can find Richie's book, Anti-Time Management, Reclaim Your Time, Revolutionize Your Results with the Power of Time Tipping. You can find it anywhere and you can find his podcast at The Richie Norton Show. Of course, his website is richienorton.com. Thank you as always for choosing to tune in to the Self-Helpful Podcast. If you got value, be great if you left a review. The best thing you can do though is talk about it with someone else. Talk about what you learned here today, what you heard, what was interesting. I sincerely hope I've helped you help yourself so that you can help others. 